And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Thursday afternoon in windy, snowy Buffalo. Um, a week ago, I was on the beaches of Mexico. Now I'm on the lakeshore in Buffalo. I am not going to complain. It's a good life. The Blue Jackets had a wild win on Tuesday in Washington, down 2 nothing, down 3-2. Gave up a late goal to go to 4-4 and won 5-4. And you've got knuckleheads like me saying this season's not about this season. And some veteran players and coaches in the room saying, oh, yeah, um, they're, that's a proud bunch. Gus Nyquist talked about that today. They are not going to let this thing fall apart. They, uh, that's the veterans' directive. Um, so take with that. Uh, what you will. It's going to be a struggle, of course. I don't think you even need to start looking at the standings yet. The season in that respect, I think, is safely over. Uh, but these guys do not want to mail it in. Basically, you can write all the draft stories you want. Um, that's not what the players in the room want to talk about. Uh, some news and notes. Trey Fix Wolanski made his NHL debut on Tuesday up from Cleveland after Emil Bemstrom was was uh, diagnosed positive with COVID. Uh, it's, it's a great story. Trey Fix-Wolanski, the latest player in the 2018 draft so far to have played in the NHL, seventh-round pick, 204 overall, uh, scores a goal, a big goal, early in the third period to give the Blue Jackets their first lead of the game. His parents were there. Um, I screwed up. I, I have to tell you, people, I wrote a thing, a survivor's guide to the Blue Jackets series. And I probably should have mentioned there are going to be some players who come up and, and get their first taste of the NHL. Trey Fix Wolanski the other night. Carson Meyer was recalled, the Powell, Ohio kid, a suburb of Columbus, um, recalled on Wednesday. Doesn't look like he's going to play tonight. Patrick Liney appeared to be okay today. But that is an indication that Carson Meyer is close, uh, or at least close to getting a chance. So good news. Uh, abounds on that front. And our, our guest today, I think this is going to be a really interesting podcast because we have spent considerable energy and effort looking forward. Um, I, we've maybe belabored the point that this season is about the future for the Blue Jackets. No better to talk about that than with the athletics. Scott Wheeler, who covers prospects, covers the NHL draft, does a wonderful job. Scott Wheeler is with us. Scott, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be uh, talking about it through the other side of the project here. Yeah, well, yeah, let, and let's get into that real quickly here, if we can. You do this, so I would, I would, I think most people listening to this have read it. 
Um, mm-hmm. that Scott wrote a lengthy piece about the Blue Jackets prospect pool, ranking them number six in the National Hockey League, up from 27. That is a meteoric rise. Um, but he does this for all of the teams in the National Hockey League. Scott, take us through the project. What is the totality of it? The words, it's every team covered. This this must, have you even bothered to calculate the hours that go into this? Because we're talking months here, not a week, not two weeks, not a small term project. This is a, this kind of eats your year, does it not? Yeah, this is the the sort of peak of my year in terms of workload. It's it the actual writing process when I get down to that is basically 32 straight days of writing. I can only write about one of these pieces a day and that's after doing all of the legwork of interviewing coaches about these players, interviewing their general managers, talking to scouts, talking to people who work closely with them, whether that's strength coaches, skating coaches, all of that. And then obviously the video component, which happens uh, in the run-up. But it's it's really a, a three, three and a half month ordeal. I start in November, uh, sort of digging in on, okay, what is the, the blueprint for their list going to look like? Who are the players who are in one tier? Who are the players in the next tier? I build out kind of a loose early ranking that I tweak over the course of the season. Uh, So that process starts early. I try to build out all of the tables with their names and their info and all of that early on. And then it's okay. Let's make as many phone calls as we can through November, December into early January. Obviously, the World Juniors are a big part of that. And I'm normally there. This year was different because I didn't have that to the same degree after I had to fly home mid-tournament. But then it's once I get home from the World Juniors, it's okay. We typically start the series the Monday after I return from the World Juniors. And that gives me five or six days to try to get a little bit of runway for myself so that I'm not writing constantly every single day, no days off kind of thing. So this year I I actually did the most work in advance that I've done in previous years. I was done about nine or 10 of them uh, before they actually began running, which gave me a little bit of breathing room. Uh, But it's, it's a monster. It's, it's every single day for, for a few months. And then obviously it's runs daily through January and into early February each year. So uh, and nice to be done it as as we're talking here, but uh, it, it's a labor of love for sure. And I'm guessing we have a copy desk, people whose whose job yeah. it is to read this. And because I get blurry eyes, I, you're younger than than I am. Maybe it hasn't hit you yet, but <laughs> it, it, it happens to every writer where you'll file, and then you'll look and you go, what the hell was I thinking? I wrote that. Mm. And the copy desk saves you. Of course, The Athletic has a staff of copy editors. Um, these people are saints. Scott, they're not listening to the podcast, I promise you. But there's yeah. and I do they fear this thing or do they grab this thing when it comes in? Well, I sent them all a note. There were there were really three editors, SJ Julian and, and Josh Cooper deserve a ton of love for just handling the copy. It ends up being this year it was about 140,000 words, which is basically two full-length novels, right? So handling that over the course of 31 days is a tall task and not just that, but a busy time of the year in any year, it's a busy time of in the hockey season. There's the Olympics coverage that we were preparing to roll out this year. So they've had a lot on their plate, those three in particular, and it's a monumental task for them. And I imagine they're reading my copy over and over and over again, just thinking, okay, how many different ways can one person possibly go about saying the same things, right? It's it's also a very monotonous, dry edit. And in some ways that makes it easier on them, but in some ways they're probably also falling asleep at their laptops editing it. So um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's it's a big task for them and they all deserve a bouquet of flowers or something from me. Well, I, I tell you for, for markets, especially markets uh, in the state that Columbus is in right now, and there, there are quite a few teams that are sort of, I, they believe they are anyways on the upswing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great stuff. It's compelling. And it's like, it's like candy because um, when you're suffering through the drudgery of a season, you know, you want someone to tell you about the sun on the horizon and how bright it's going to be. And so let, let's get into this. You had the blue jackets. <laughs> I'm guessing you're getting nicer mail from Columbus. Two years ago, <laughs> you had them last. Yeah. Last year, you had them 27th. Now, there were a ton of years where they, a couple, few years in there where they gave up their first round draft picks for sure. Yeah. And they made a huge climb this year, as you mentioned, to number six. As, that's pretty rare to go up 21 spots in a That's extremely year. rare. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, you typically see movement. You'll see teams get a new number one prospect, move up seven or eight spots, slide down seven or eight spots if a key piece or two or three key pieces graduate. But you almost never see this kind of a rise. And I think that's a credit to two things. It's a credit to the job they did with their 2021 draft class, not just in acquiring high picks, but making good on all of those picks. There were players in each of those ranges that I think were lesser players that they could have realistically taken and defended as selections at the time. And I think they hit home runs on at least all of those first three picks. So that's a game changer, obviously. And then the other pieces, players who are progressing really nicely. It's Igor Chinnikov making people eat their words a little bit. And it's Marchenko continuing to look like he's going to be a guy. So I'm sure we'll get to detail on on some of those names in particular, but it's a combination of players coming along nicely and then this huge, significant injection of talent that happened in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the player that I I just think this this player is so fascinating. We've done a monthly diary with him. This skill is just off the charts. I think a lot of people are fretting. uh, I'm talking about Kent Johnson from Michigan. Can he play center? Can he play wing? Is he going to be big enough? He weighs 165 pounds, 167 maybe. Um, he's at on the Team Canada roster for the Olympics as an alternate, not a full-time player. Though I do think he played today against Germany. Um, he did. How? So come. You've written about him at length. Put people's mind at rest. You love this player even though we're not quite sure what he's going to be. Is that correct? Do we, do we, do you have a gut feeling if he's, can he play center? I know he's not at Michigan. He probably would be if they weren't so stacked down the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, Does he have to play center for it to be that great of a pick? And does he, is he, can he play at 175, 180 uh, with his frame? There's a lot there. Yeah, there are question marks there for sure. Uh, I think the center wing debate is already sort of closing its chapter. I I think he's going to be a winger at the NHL level. He's now played wing exclusively the last two years at Michigan. He played a little bit of center with Hockey Canada through their camps and that kind of a thing in the lead up to the World Juniors. He obviously played center in the BCHL. But I think part of why he played center in the BCHL was because, A, he played it in minor hockey, and, B, he was just so much better than everybody else. Yeah. Um, so now, I, I increasingly, I think, and it's, it's directly tied to that second thing because of, of the size component. And he's not a small, short kid, but I think in, in other ways, he's small in a big way. And he's got, I mean, you've, you've met him in person. He's got a very slight frame. He's kind of a scrawny, slight kid. He just... He's, he looks really skinny. And I know just in talking to him and people around him that adding weight has been a challenge for him. It doesn't matter how much he eats, how much he gets in the gym. He's just one of those kids where the calories sort of come in and then they burn out. And sure. he, he's not keeping on that muscle mass that he'd like to. On the flip side, I don't think with the way that he plays that that's a huge concern for me. I mean, he, you know that he was number two on my board last year. I, I'm a big, big, big believer in Kent Johnson. I think he was the most purely talented player in last year's draft at forward. Uh, and I think he's got all of the makings of a very, very dynamic perimeter playmaker. And uh, in addition to that, I don't think that perimeter has to be this. This is getting a little sort of higher level, but I don't think perimeter has to be a negative thing. I think when we hear the word perimeter, when we talk about wingers, we think, oh, my God, they're soft. They're on the outside. They don't get to the middle. But Kent has this magic ability from the perimeter of the ice to make plays into those areas. So the puck is still arriving there, even if he's not out muscling someone to get it there. It's arriving there with his hands and his ability to create and beat defenders one on one and cut back against coverage and all of that. But then it's also arriving there with his unique ability to pass the puck there. So. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a, a tremendously gifted offensive winger. He's going to be a power play one guy without question for me. Uh, he's going to be a real sort of potential quarterback on a power on a PP one. And then at even strength, if he's if he can hold his own physically, the skill is always going to take over like it always has. There were these same questions about making the jump from the BCHL to college and whether because of that frame he'd be able to have the kind of offensive impact and. He's all but sort of solved those questions in the last two seasons. So 
I'm I'm really really excited about Kent. I think he's got a, a rare ability. Uh, I think he's going to be a extremely fun player to watch. He may not be the most complete player. He may not be the most well-rounded player, but you need variety on an NHL club. And the skill that he has is much harder to find than the 200 pound winger who can hold his own along the cycle and and defend well. Right. So uh, I think he's going to give them an injection of talent. I think he's going to find the highlight reel a couple of times a year, uh, kind of in that Trevor Zegers mold where he's going to make plays that not a lot of players in the league are making. And even if they come and go maybe a little bit more than you'd like, I still think at the end of the season, in terms of points and and goals and assists, he's going to be right up there at the top of the lineup as as one of Columbus's leading scorers long term. So uh, he, he's a, a true, true top prospect. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, we've seen here in Columbus, and I'm not comparing the two players certainly, but Artemi Panarin was here for two years. Mm. And while he never played center here, the way that he carried, transported the puck up the ice, yep. the play all came through him. And Pierre-Luc Dubois got very comfortable with him basically being the playmaker from the wing, and Pierre went to the net. Um, and I almost feel like he could be a center who plays on the wing, um, or at least the guy who's always got the puck on his stick, is always controlling the play, just does it on one side yep. of the ice. Jake Voracek does that, not comparing them either. Um, I don't want to make a comparison, but when you look at some of the top skilled NHL guys in the league, not that Kent is going to be this guy or match that guy's output or whatever, but is there a player, you mentioned Trevor Zegers, is there a player who, if he becomes what you think he can be, is a pretty good comparable? Well, they're very different builds, uh, but the, in terms of the way they operate, uh, Johnny Goudreau comes to mind a little bit. Obviously, Johnny's short in stature and Kent isn't that. But I think in pure, in terms of pure sort of stylistic, what you see out there when you're watching them play, he's one of those players that I kind of gravitate towards in terms of that sort of elusive comparable for Kent. Johnny comes and goes in games, but his ability off the wing to hang on to the puck, to delay, to pull people into him and then make plays past them with the puck in terms of his passing ability, his hands, all of that is sort of links back to Kent in, in a way. And then the other player who is in, is probably a natural comparable is Elias Pettersson, who was a very, very skinny kid taken in the same similar range and had serious questions about whether he'd be a center or a winger because of how scrawny he was. Uh, and then obviously we know what Elias has become because of his kills, because of his skill set, and frankly is probably the second overall pick in a redo of that draft after Kale McCarr. Right. So uh, it's a, I, I think you'll see the same sort of conversation develop around Kent. I think he's going to be a flashier, more dynamic player than a lot of the players who were picked around him in last year's draft class. And I think you could look back on it years from now and say, okay, even though he went fifth overall, which is quite high, should he have actually gone potentially higher? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, next on, the, on your list is Cole Sillinger, who's been with the Blue Jackets since the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they wanted to send him back. They couldn't. He's the, certainly one of the top centers in camp, and he's getting a baptism this year. Started real. I thought he looked offensively dangerous early. I think a little bit of that has faded, um, but it, listen, his his production in the NHL for an 18-year-old, uh, the youngest player in the league, has been very impressive. I'm not sure he normally would be on your list because he is an NHL uh, regular yeah. at this point. Uh, you included him in there. He looks 
John Puchico said this, I think I've quoted it 10 times on this podcast. When he was picked, uh, Pucci's great line was, it looks like he was born, he's, this kid was born to do it. Yeah. And that just, that, that phrase is like so perfect for him. Um, everything about him, the way that the kid carries himself off the ice, um, you can tell he has an NHL father. You can tell he's been raised the right way. Skating is a concern. But this is this guy's going to play in the NHL for a long time and have a very productive career. What do you like about him, Scott? Yeah, Sillinger's a fascinating one. I did a story, a feature on him in his draft year last year, and just learning about him, getting to know him, it became clear that, okay, this kid's maybe cut a little bit different than his peers, especially considering how young he is. He's just one of those kids. I mean, you touched on it, and you know this as well as anyone at this point after dealing with them all year. He's he, 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 the way he talks, uh, how articulate he is, oh, yeah. the way he's built. I mean, he. I spoke with people uh, with his USHL team last year about that, and I spoke with uh, Willie Desjardins, who he was obviously with the WHL previously, right. and they said, "Look, this kid is cut. He's three percent body fat. He's in peak physical condition." So all of those elements are there that kind of sort of looks like a pro cliches that we hear. He he checks all of those boxes, but then his skill and, and his game is actually quite dynamic and layered as well. And I think you're really going to begin to see that over the next two, three seasons, he can really score from distance. We saw it in Traverse city. We saw it in Calgary this summer at Canada's selection camp where he scored a hat trick in the final game and him and Kent Johnson were really going blow for blow in that final game of team Canada's summer showcase this summer. And I mean, he scored some goals in that game that were from the blue line with wristers that looked like they were one-time slap shots, right? Like he's got that heavy shot. He's got excellent hands. And then because of his, his sort of physical maturity, he can take a bump, he can deliver a check, he can play through contact. All of those things are also there. So I really do think the big question is still his skating. And I spoke to his strength coach for that story last season, and he said, look, he's great in the gym. He's fast on the track. And sometimes those things just don't quite translate to skating mechanics. And yeah, I think he's going to be fine. I wouldn't say he's slow or anything. It's, it's not some huge, gigantic barrier. But if he can get a little bit quicker, it'll allow that skill to take over a little bit more. And then suddenly you've got a, a really impressive top six forward instead of maybe a middle six guy. So I, I don't think he has quite the dynamic quality that Kent does. Kent's just so elusive. But Cole goes to the middle of the ice. He wants to be in the thick of things. I think as he gets comfortable and gets sort of more into also be a, almost not a mouthy player, but just a guy who's always in the mix, who's going to give you a smile after he finishes his check on you, that kind of a thing. I, I do think he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder that, that's going to start to show to the forefront more as he gets older. Uh, so just a player who I think is going to be really likable, just kind of a fan favorite who's got a lot of skill, but also plays hard. And I do think he's really going to score a lot of goals in the league with that shot of his. Yeah. Um, third on your list is Corson Coleman's the defenseman from the University of Wisconsin, a freshman this year. Um, kind of a slow start, but boy, he has looked good. Yeah. Once he, he's got going. I think most people expect him to be at Wisconsin a couple few years, but this is a, a right-hand, right-side defenseman with, with two-way uh, ability, top four guy for sure, yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like they they took the the skinny guy and, and Kent at the top, and then they said, okay, we can't live with this. So they went and got Sillinger and Coleman's next, who were two of the sort of bigger, stronger, more physically mature kids in the draft. So, I mean, Corson's calling card has always been that he's just this sturdy, rock-solid, physical, really shoots the puck hard kind of what you see is what you get player. I wouldn't say there's a ton of creativity to his game. He doesn't have a lot of those sort of evasive modern elements that we see a lot in a lot of the sort of five foot 11, five foot 10 defensemen that are now starting to break into the NHL more consistently, but he's just a big kid who can really shoot the puck plays a very aggressive style. That aggressiveness can definitely get him into trouble. And I think he's going to make a lot of mistakes in the NHL as a result, uh, both defensively and offensively, offensively, he, he wants to shoot the puck. He wants to get off the line. He wants to go to the front of the net, even if that means leaving his positioning sometimes. And then defensively, he wants to close gaps and, and that is very effective defensively as a result, because he's constantly in your face. He's constantly bothering you. He's disruptive. He's trying to rub you out. 
But as, as every player in the NHL, especially defenseman who plays that style, it also comes with some misses. It comes with yeah. occasionally yeah. mistiming your gaps and uh, taking a chance that isn't worth taking and that kind of thing. So he's going to, he's the kind of player who he's going to get burned to the outside every once in a while. And he's going to sort of make a mistake in, in the neutral zone that result, results in an odd man rush and that kind of a thing. But the physical tools are there in spades. Again, like Sillinger already looks like a professional that way. And then he's also very talented and actually defends at a very high level despite some of those mistakes. So uh, he's he's going to be, a, I think, a, a sort of steady top four contributing guy. Uh, and, and getting that in the late first round is definitely a get. Now, it's an inexact science, we know. But are we thinking two years at Wisconsin or three? more likely three i would guess we almost never see defensemen just do two years now unless you're a jake sanderson or an owen power or a luke hughes uh so i think three is more likely but i don't think you'll see him as a sort of full finished college kind of guy either yeah um this next one is fascinating even though he's been here all season as well um i want to know your response that we're talking to the athletics scott wheeler when the blue jackets drafted Igor Chinikov. Yeah. I heard the hockey world saying, who? There were people <laughs> scrambling through scouting books. What did he say? What was that name again? Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen was quite sensitive about that. Um, what were your thoughts in that moment, and how have they changed these last couple of years seeing Chinikov play first in the KHL and now so far in the National Hockey in that moment, I, I have to admit, I was pretty stunned. I yeah. had Chinnikov as an honorable mention on my list, but as you know, my final list runs 100 players deep. So that means I saw him as kind of a 100 to 150 guy rather than a wow. 100 guy, which means I felt like he was a late round pick. He was also yeah. an overager, which is spicy in right. the first round, even if uh, even if you are a top prospect as an overager. So uh, it, it, it felt like one of those sort of classic reaches were the smartest guys in the room kind of move at the time to a lot of people in, in the same, in a similar way that the Shakir Mukhmadoulin uh, selection did a year later to the New Jersey Devils in the first round. I think some of that is just people not maybe doing as much homework on the Russian kids as they should, because I don't think it's a coincidence that both of the picks in back-to-back drafts that people were most surprised by were, or Russian kids. Uh, but since then, I mean, he has progressed exactly like a late first rounder. I don't think he's a true star prospect, but he's a legitimate prospect. Uh, again, like, like Cole, that shot of his is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you were in Traverse city with me this year, but yeah. he, I, he, he, I think he scored six goals in that tournament this year. And we, I try not to read too much into, into that event because it's a bit of a weird mix of it players. But every single one of the was there a bad shot amongst any of those six goals that he short scored? Like they were all long range, cleanly beating goalies, like just cannons off of his stick almost. So uh, that really, I think, grabbed a lot of scouts' attention who are in Traverse City. Just in conversations I've had with them since, and it, it followed what was last year a pretty good year. I think last year it, it was. Uh, not a great year for him. He kind of disappointed at the world juniors, but I think otherwise had a very strong season in the KHL. And then obviously coming over this year, this year, it's it's an adjustment for any kid trying to figure out the NHL pace and the NHL game. But I think he's the best is still yet to come for him, despite the fact that he's a little bit on the older side for a recent draft pick because he was an overager. Mm-hmm. And that shot of his is absolutely a weapon that should continue to put pucks in the net eventually as he gets comfortable. So uh, it's it's been a, fun to watch him come along here because he looks like a, a legit piece of the puzzle now. Yeah, they call those Jagger bombs here in Columbus already. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Um, so we we mentioned uh, Cole Sillinger or sorry Kent Johnson, and he may be here at some point in April, depending upon when Michigan's season ends. That's how quick yep. the turnaround is expected. Another player who be here if SK St. Petersburg bows out early. Really good team. No reason to think they will. Um, but Kirill Marchenko is a blue is a Blue Jackets prospect that it seems like they have it seems like they drafted him seven years ago and waited does. on him, doesn't it? Um, this is a fascinating player. He's coming over, if not this spring, next fall. Um, there, there's so much mystery around this young man. The numbers are sometimes hard to read in Russia. What do you see? What what should 
Blue Jackets fans expect? Well, he's really good. He's he's just one of those players where you, when you watch him play, you think that's a very good hockey player. So he's he's not one of those kids who comes and goes in games or flashes sort of high-end skill. But I don't think that either sort of echelon of him, whether that's the bottom end where he has a bad game or the top end where he looks like a star, I don't think either of those things are that pronounced. I don't think he takes many shifts off. I don't think he almost ever has a bad game. But he also uh, quite often doesn't look like a true, true, okay, knock your socks off. He was the best player on the ice tonight kind of a player. He's just a good, consistently productive, consistently contributing hockey player who is also built like an NHLer, skates like an NHLer, can shoot and handle the puck like an NHLer. All of the little component parts that you hope to add up and build into something, they're all there. He's got great hands. He can play on the cycle. He can play in the slot. He can sort of navigate through traffic. He'll occasionally beat defenders one-on-one. So I just see a kid who's going to be a contributing top nine winger. And and those are not easy to come by in today's NHL or in today's NHL. So uh, I I think he's, he's just going to be a good, important piece. I don't think he's going to be a 70 point player in the NHL, but if he can be a 40, 50 point guy for you, that has tremendous value. And those are the kinds of guys who become, four $5 million players for you rather than nine, $10 million players and still have huge, huge value for an NHL organization. So I think that's what they should try to build him into. And I think he's more than capable of, of reaching that kind of sort of second tier offensive player grouping. Yeah. So let's do two more. Number six, Liam Foodie. Um, yeah. Isn't it? Uh, I feel like the shine is a little bit off of him in Blue Jackets world. The feet are fantastic. I think they were hoping that maybe the hands would come along um, a little bit quicker. He's played very well in the American Hockey League. Um, it just hasn't shown in the NHL. He looks to me like a third line yeah. guy, a penalty killer uh, who can who can scare the daylights out of you with the speed. He's still only twenty one years old. I should maybe cut a little more slack. Uh, you've got him pretty high on your list here. Uh, thoughts on where he's at and what, what his development has been like since he was drafted. Well, I do think it's kind of a clear five. So th- that's where things start to start to drop off for me, if you will. I think the gap between Marchenko and Foodie is actually quite pronounced, even though they're only one slot uh, divided from each other. But you're right. I mean, he's been great in Cleveland. Uh, they They really like him there. He's productive there. All of that's true. And the skating is the skating. I mean, he's yeah. arguably the fastest player in the organization. He, If you were to race the 20 fastest players in the world in, in hockey, he'd be a member of the race. So yeah. that is there. It's undeniable. He can fly. He's an incredible athlete. He comes from a family of incredible athletes, obviously. Right. Uh, so all of that is true. I think that'll make him a good checker at minimum. It'll make him a good penalty killer. Uh, so there's value in a player like that, but you're right. I, I think in terms of where he was picked, you always, it's as, even if we shouldn't come back to that, because it really doesn't matter at that, at this point, mm-hmm. it's natural to come back to, to it and wonder whether he was selected too high, which is how many felt at the time. And how I think many would argue today in, in the scouting world. Uh, I just don't think there were teams that were as excited about him as the blue jackets were. Uh, and you hope that the pieces of the puzzle get added in. It was the same conversation that the Boston Bruins had when they took Zach Sinitian. Zach Sinitian is one of the fastest hockey players in the world and just has never really become more than that kind of AHLer or depth NHLer because the, the skating is one thing, but adding other elements is, can be difficult when you're moving that fast. And I think Liam runs into some of those problems where his he, he, the processing isn't happening as fast as his skating is. And then suddenly he's gone the length of the ice, but he's put himself in the corner in the offensive zone without a right. play to make. Right. right. That's the, the common concern with players who are moving as quickly as someone like Liam is. So uh, I, I still think he's going to be a bottom six guy, but he doesn't have the sort of offensive quality that uh, the other four forwards we've talked about here do. And that's going to prevent him from playing in the kind of offensive usage cases that that those guys are so uh, at this point i think it's fair to say even as young as he still is that he's probably just going to be a, a kind of bottom six piece which is fine i mean not not every player has to become not every good prospect right. has to become a 
offensive dynamo. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, this next player I am bullish on, um, and he could he won't be here next year, probably the year after, Dmitry Vronkov. Um, I think, first of all, the Blue Jackets need centers. He appears to be a center, probably a third-line yeah. guy. They need size. Boy, does he have size, six foot four. And they need snarl. I think he fills three of those, three of those categories. Um uh, I've I've had him described to me as a bigger, meaner Boone Jenner. Discuss. Yeah, Boone, that's an interesting comparable. I probably wouldn't have naturally gone to Boone Jenner as 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 my guy. Um, but he's I mean, I mean, that's kind of what you're hoping for. You're hoping for a yeah. two-way guy who can contribute at both ends and who also has some skill and, ha- and plays a physical style and gets after it on the forecheck and can be the puck retrieval guy for more skilled, talented players. And that isn't even to, to diminish uh, the fact that he, he, he's skilled because he, he is, it's, it's not like he's just the four checker who goes and gets the puck and makes a play and plays on the cycle with his size and plays in puck protection. He is all of those things for sure, but he can shoot the puck. He can finish from around the net. He goes to the front of the net and he's got quick hands in tight so he can make plays around the net. I, and I think he's going to be a, a sort of important piece. He's he's not going to be a power play one guy, but I think you could realistically see him contributing on PP two as kind of the slot guy. Uh, and then he's he, he's going to be an effective sort of complementary piece for whichever line mates he plays with. So uh, I, I I'm I don't think you're you're wrong to be bullish on him. He's he's going to be a, a contributing important player. And even if it doesn't necessarily say show up in the counting stats, but I think the Sillinger or a Marchenko or a Johnson are able to contribute, he's still going to be having an impact out there and giving you a bit of a different, as, as you kind of alluded to, he gives, he gives you a different look. He gives you yes. a different dimension. If, if you were playing him with two guys who are five foot 11, six feet and can really make plays, he can complement that type of player extremely effectively. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him, what he becomes. Uh, I know you've you've reported that he has one more year left in in Russia after this one. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he comes over and looks like, because if he's coming over at 22, 23, it, I don't think it's out of the question that he bypasses the AHL and just right. makes the team out of camp. That, that that's yeah. kind of seems like the trajectory that he's on and that right. they're almost expecting him to be on. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. No, I think you're right. I think I think that's certainly his expectation. And I, the sense I get with a lot of these guys is that they're, they've stayed extra years in Russia to rather than go through the AHL, nothing against yeah. the league, but they'd rather stay in Russia and develop there than come over here and, and wait their turn coming up through the AHL. So when they come over, it will be with the expectation of playing in the National Hockey League, and nothing is certainly not guaranteed. We were told yeah. Chinikov was perfectly willing to go uh, to the AHL if that's what the team thought was best. Um, so it never, it didn't come to pass extended for an extended time anyways, but yeah, um, it came right up. Uh, I'll just finish through your list and we'll get to some questions we got on, on Twitter. You've got uh, defenseman Stanislaus Fossil at eight, uh, defenseman Jake Christensen at nine, defenseman Guillaume Richard at 10, the goaltender, Daniil Tarasov at 11, number 12. And this, I, I'm, I'm big on James Malatesta myself. This is one of those guys. I feel like he's going to play his way to the NHL and nothing's going to stop yeah. him forward. You've got him at 12. Uh, Samuel Canasco, a defenseman at 13. Center winger Tyler Angle at 14. Trey Fix-Molansky, the aforementioned Trey Fix-Molansky at number 15. Uh, Michael Pithia at, at uh, number 16. Centerman Samuel Johansson, a right-handed shot defenseman at 17. Tim Burney, left-handed defenseman, Cleveland right now at 18. And that so completes uh, your list. It's um, it, I would encourage you to check this out. Scott Wheeler, it's on the Blue Jackets page of, of The Athletics, so go there. You'll be able to find it off to your right. Um, Scott, I want to get to some questions now. And th- this, is a, this is one I've been batting around for a while. 
Um, I'll just read it. This is from Mark Scott's. If it needs to be further explained, I will. But uh, should a Blue Jackets fan hope for Chicago's pick this year? So you remember the Blue Jackets have Chicago's yeah. first from Seth Jones trade. Or are they better with the Blackhawks hitting top two this year and getting next year's pick? In other words, is Chicago next year with Shane Wright or whoever still a candidate for a top 10 pick with the hope for lottery gold? This question is, how big of a gambler are you, Scott Wheeler? <laughs> well, I, I, my gut instinct would be to just go all You'd hope that you can are able to go all in in 2023. Uh, the draft quality, it, it, I mean, it could not be starker in terms of the division from this draft class to the next. Next year's draft class, even if you're getting a 10th overall pick, you may be getting a comparable player to the kid that you're getting second or third overall in this year's right? draft. So uh, if that's the trade-off, I'm not even sure it is that much of a gamble because next year's draft is going to have 12 to 15 players that are star quality prospects. And this oh. year's draft has less than half a dozen uh, so that piece of it is is not as tricky as maybe you'd think. But the question, of course, is uh, are the Blackhawks going to be terrible again next year? And I think my gut reaction on that front would also be that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, they just don't look like they have it figured out. And I think they were hoping to have it figured out when they went out and acquired Seth Jones, but it just doesn't feel like everything's fitting together there. And I'm not sure there's any kind of quick fix that's going to make them a playoff team other than maybe getting lucky and going on a bit of a bender in a Western conference that is kind of anybody's for the taking. I think if the Blackhawks were in the East, my instantaneous answer would be yes. You hope for the 2023 pick because there's no shot. They're making the playoffs in the East and it's going to be a high pick as a result. And they're going to get beat up by how strong the top end teams are in the East. But in the West, it just feels like even heading into next year, it's going to be Colorado and it's going to be Vegas with Jack Eichel back. And then really after that, there are question marks about yeah. every team in the West these days. So uh, I think that if anything could be the saving grace for the Blackhawks, but again, even in a worst case scenario, let's say the Blackhawks sneak into a playoff and then are not in the lottery. If, if they get bounced in the first round and your pick is 15th overall, instead of, second overall in this draft class, there's definitely going to be a drop-off in talent at that point. But I really don't think you're going to be super, super upset about it, as crazy as that sounds, just because there are going to be darn good players available in the teams in next year's draft. And you can't say that about this one. Yeah, it's going to be amazing if Chicago wins the lottery or picks second just to see the reaction in Columbus. <laughs> right, because there will be groans and groans, but then you're like, for me, I want as many bullets next year with the hope of, but who knows what the Blackhawks are going to be next year, especially if they move flurry. Who, know what, who knows what the Blue Jackets are going to be next year? Um, yeah. I mean, I'd rather have two top fives next year for sure. I um, also wonder, I almost wonder whether Matt, they, I mean, Bedard is going to get all of the talk because he's North American and that just seems to be how things happen on TSN and, and now on ESPN with the way that the conversation I think is going to happen in 2023, but it almost seems like with, with the Veron Cobbs and with the Marchenkos coming over and with the, the Chinnikovs and some of the Russian connections that, that Columbus has that Matt Demichkov would be almost the, it would almost be the perfect spot for him to land. Huh. Uh, yeah. Just because if, if those three players in particular are already established when Michkov comes over in a couple of years, that's a, a, a very easy place for him to for you to slide a player like that into the roster. So I know that's getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah. um, it, it's not just Connor Bedard in 2023 that, right. that is reason for excitement, right? It's awesome. Um, this question from Rob Thomas at Nightstar420. Uh, how does Scott Wheeler feel about the college free agents this year? And what are some of the names to keep an eye on in regards to that? Well, it's not, I have to be honest, it's not a great class. I don't think they're going to stumble their way in into a player like they did with say Christensen out of the WHL who has turned into a pretty good find and a potential NHL option for them. Uh, it, it really isn't that kind of a group. There are interesting goalies uh, coming out of this year's age group. I think you'll see names like Dryden McKay, et cetera, et cetera, that, that pop up into the conversation and get signed. 
Uh, I'm not sure how serious, I mean, you'd know this better than I am, than I do. I'm not sure how serious the Blackhawks are about signing a free agent goalie. Um, but there, there are three or four goalie names to watch for sure coming out of this sort of age group. But after that, it's a pretty underwhelming group. A lot of the top players in college hockey this season are are drafted property of other teams. There isn't the Jimmy VC sweepstakes coming. There's nothing like that that's going to take place in the spring here. Um, so I, 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 my my gut would just be to watch out for the goalies if you're interested in going that route. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from Brett Sidoric at I am. Twiggy with three G's. Who are Scott Wheeler's top three superstar potential players in this coming draft? And I'll add an amendment here. Are there are there three superstar? No, no is the simple answer. Okay. Uh, I think if you were asking me that question about next year's draft, I'd probably rattle off seven or eight names. Um, but this year's draft, I mean, I don't, I don't even think Shane Wright, the consensus number one pick, is going to be a superstar in the NHL. I think if Shane Wright hits the very, very, very top end of his ceiling, he might come close to the kind of Jonathan Taves, Patrice Bergeron mold. And I certainly, I think that Taves in his prime qualified as a superstar and uh, Bergeron was maybe never a true, true superstar in the game, but has been a all-star for 15 years. Um, So those guys are, are sort of what you're reaching for at the very top of this draft i think the other player the other common sort of comparable that we hear is the one that matches logan cooley with Braden point and i would argue that Braden point is if not a superstar is right in that next year uh a, certainly a top 20 player in the nhl these days um so yeah cooley that's what you're looking to get out of cooley Cooley's likely going to be the second or third pick in the draft after uh it, sort of immediately after shane wright Uh, And then the one player who I think belongs in that conversation with Cooley and with Shane, who often is sort of in that five to 10 range, a lot like I felt Kent Johnson belonged in that conversation at the top of last year's draft and ultimately went in the five to 10 range uh, is Matthew Savoy. So I I think Savoy is the truly the most dynamic offensive player in this draft class. His brother Carter is obviously lighting it up with Denver and a top prospect of the Edmonton Oilers. And Matt plays nothing like Carter. Carter is a come and go goal scoring winger who disappears in games and then rips a puck in. Matt, who is coming up in this year's draft, is a high energy, hardworking, small center. He's five foot nine, five foot ten, but you wouldn't notice it out there. He's all over the puck. He's explosive in terms of his skating, and then his sort of shot hands are are great out at the very top of this draft class, if not first in both of those categories, then second or third. At the very least, he's a dynamic, skilled offensive player. Plays center despite being five foot nine, five foot ten. Holds his own in the faceoff circle. I think he's like 53 percent this year in the WHL, which is decent. Uh, so he he's probably the player that I would watch out for. If if they don't end up with uh, sort of a top two, top three kind of pick, he's the player who I think could go in that five to ten range. And five years from now, he's having the kind of impact that say a Matt Barzell had when he sort of oh. exploded onto the scene as a kid who slipped a little bit in the draft, but everybody knew was ridiculously talented. So Savoy's the one player who really in this draft class really, really excites me in terms of if if he reaches his potential, he's going to be a very gifted offensive player. And there just are not very many of those in this year's draft. One last thing I've got for you. When these things start to roll out, your prospect will report start to roll out. How many phone calls do you get from scouts, from Maybe GMs, maybe AGMs. Yeah. Scott Wheeler, you son of a bitch. How do you have us at 29? How do you have us at 31? What the hell's wrong with you fighting for their guys and et cetera? The amateur, the amateur scouting guys probably have the biggest beef with this. How much friction do you get when they start rolling out? Well, it's interesting. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. I hear from a lot of people who uh, sort of praise the work and are quite sort of chuffed, if you will, with, with the job I've done with their teams and yeah. and the grasp that they think I have of their prospects. And certainly there are teams that I have typically aligned with. Coincidentally, I've developed a good relationship with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Los Angeles Kings because, well, they draft most in line with how I would draft, right? That's that's kind of how things develop. And there are teams that just, I kind of, I think, kind of approach scouting and the process of bringing along players and identifying certain traits in players that do it in a very similar way to the way I would do it if I was working in the private sphere. 
And then there are, of course, teams at the bottoms of the list who either through trading away picks like Pittsburgh and Washington and so many teams have done for so long, uh, or just through drafting, I think, poorly or looking for the wrong things at the draft, where I, 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 you're right, I often receive phone calls from people saying, you've got this wrong about this guy, or you should be higher on this guy. Uh, but uh, never, or very rarely, I should say, with any kind of bitterness, it's always just kind of to talk it over and smooth things over and yeah. uh, give their insight into what, I, what they think I'm missing on a player and that kind of a thing. Uh, more, more often just scouts sort of with guys that they've picked from their regions rather than complaints about the whole list. Uh, and then very rarely, but occasionally there has been a, a GM or an agent that has reached out and said, you've got this wrong. So, uh, it, it, that, those conversations are always interesting, but it's normally only sort of once or twice a year after I release a list where I'll get that kind of a phone call. Uh, and by and large, I mean, I, I lean on those people as well in, in future lists. Sometimes a sure. negative conversation sure. one one year can result in a back and forth in advance of next year's lists when I'm doing all of my legwork to say, this new guy that you drafted in 2021, I haven't watched much of him. I wasn't that familiar with him in his draft class. Just tell me about him. What should I like about him? What, what does he need to work on? And then I can go and watch tape and see whether I agree with that assessment. So uh, it, I, I mean, those people are invaluable and i mean i've got a book this is a, a little bit of a developing a little bit of a tangent here but i've got a book coming out next fall nice. on the history of beliefs at the nhl draft and through that spoke with plenty of people who used to be involved with beliefs who are now involved in other organizations including a couple of people with columbus uh, and they were invaluable for background as well those people are uh, people in the scouting world they're an encyclopedia in terms yeah. of the last 20 30 years of drafting and how the game has changed and they have such a good feel for the ebbs and flows of the things that matter in terms of players and what what made a player good 10 years ago versus what makes a player good in today's game so uh they're a huge resource that way as well awesome scott wheeler thanks for your time thanks for doing your turning your half or one quarter of your year over to us with your prospect pool uh, we appreciate your labor for sure. And uh, thanks for joining us on Front and Nationwide. Yeah, thanks, Marty. All right, anytime, man. We'll talk to you later. And folks, thanks for listening. And we'll be back with you again next week. Thanks so much. Take care. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.